0: To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message.
1: Our first reading today is from Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 1 through 10. Joy of the redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come and save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where the jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there and those the lord has rescued will return they will enter zion with singing everlasting joy will crown their heads gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away now if you're able please rise for the reading of the gospel <clears throat> matthew 11:2 through 11 says when john who was in prison heard about the deeds of the messiah As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. May God bless the reading, hearing and understanding of His word. Amen
0: Maybe seated. Thank you, Amy. So welcome. Welcome to our third week of Advent. The third installment of our Prepare the Way worship series as we prepare our hearts for Jesus' return. We, you see, we talked about uh, the end times and how none of us will know when that day or time will come. About how we need to be ready at all times. Growing in our faith. Pursuing justice and mercy. Loving God and loving our neighbor. And during our second week, we talked about transformation. We heard about the story of John the Baptist baptizing and helping to transform lives as he prepared the way for Jesus. And I wonder if you thought about how you could transform your life during this Advent season. What can you begin today that will have eternal effects on your life? How can you love God and love neighbor even more today than ever before? Now, before we begin our topic this morning, I want to check in with you, because here's the reoccurring question. What do you hope for this Advent season? I mean, we're past halfway. What do you hope for? What do you expect? I mean, we've had some, some pretty good answers over the past couple of weeks, but I wanted to continue giving you that opportunity to reflect on that question because there are times when our minds change. Something else comes in, and what we hoped for last week is not what we hope for today. And so I'm going to encourage you again. To have conversations around that, to, to put that in the, in the chat so all of you that are worshiping with us from home will also see all of these as we share what are those things that we hope for during Advent. What do you really hope for? I'm going to encourage you to have your bulletins handy in there. You're going to have your spot to, to jot down some notes, some scripture passages, and some questions to reflect on. Uh, but most importantly this morning is that little space that you can write some notes down on so that when the Spirit speaks to you this morning, you can write those down and not forget them. I encourage you to have those. Uh, I also encourage you that uh, if something comes up in this message and you've got a question that you just need to, to ask, that maybe at that time you, you send me a text. Let me know what that question is. My phone number is in the bulletin. You could certainly just text me uh, during the message. I might be able to get to it. I might not. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but that is always an option. Will you pray with me? Gracious and Almighty God, God, we come today striving to hear your word, to hear your message for us. and so God, I ask that your words are the words that are heard, that they would not be mine. God that this message is your message for your people in Jesus name. Amen. There was a story about a uh, a couple down one uh, just a normal average neighborhood that had put up their Christmas lights during the Christmas season and we all love those and I've got to tell you something real quick Uh, the other day we got ready to leave the house and there was something that looked like a really giant piece of candy laying in our driveway and I couldn't quite figure out what that was Jessica jumped out of the car as we were backing up and picked it up and as she brought it in the car she said it's a potato (laughs) does anybody know about this the Christmas potato? Nobody. All right. Here's a a little lesson for you. The Christmas potato. Uh, I'm not really sure why it was a potato. They they really didn't say it. It was just a tradition that was started by somebody. Uh, And this particular person thought it was really nice that people would put Christmas lights up on their house to witness to the season. And so, once a year, as they would drive around town, they would drive around with probably baskets full of potatoes wrapped in saran wrap and the story of, the, of the, ba- the Christmas potato. And they would chuck them into the driveways of all the people who had Christmas lights on their house. And so we just happened to be one of the ones down our street that had Christmas lights, and so we had a Christmas potato. As a witness to the season... How incredibly important. Wow, that was just something I, I did not expect. And probably you didn't either, as your response. But so there was, there was this other family that had put their Christmas lights up, and, and then Christmas came and went, and they left their Christmas lights up. Not just leaving them up, but they left them turned on. Now some of you are in homeowners association which might result in a fine from the homeowners association if you keep your Christmas lights on. But this family kept doing it day after day, week after week, month after month. And finally it was the temperature was getting warmer and the lights were still on. And, and this person just could not figure out why the lights were on. And then one morning... They got out to do some work in the yard and realized that the lights had changed, that the lights were still up there, but then there was another sign in the front yard with a bunch of lights on it that said, Welcome home. Her son had been in the Vietnam War and was unable to celebrate Christmas, and so the family left the lights on as a witness for them to come home to. It all made sense. And so today, we prepare for a witness. It's not necessarily getting out on the streets with our bullhorn and yelling at people as they walk by, telling them that the end is near, although it certainly sounded like that was what John the Baptist was doing. I mean, we remember from last week that his message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I think we've heard people talk that way before. However, after our passage today, maybe this takes on a new meaning for us. In the opening scene of our passage today, we find John stuck in prison. No doubt speaking hard truths toward Herod. And if you need to know, like a good soap opera, Herod visits his brother and falls in love with his brother's wife and seduces her. Returning home, he dismisses his wife and decides to take his brothers. Truth is stranger than fiction, right? Well, John broadcasts this and is quickly rushed off to prison in an effort to silence him. The truth sometimes hurts. So here we are, John in prison and wanting to confirm all that he heard was true about Jesus. He probably wanted to be sure that all he had done and spoken of was worth it. It wasn't all in vain after all, was it? So he sends his disciples, those who have been following John's teaching, to go and find Jesus and ask him. They are to be witnesses to some of Jesus' teachings and healings, as well as asking him if he is the one. Why would anyone want to be sitting in jail for something they believe God calling them to do if it wasn't true? But this is where John is. Maybe John was starting to question everything. Could John have been deconstructing his faith and his belief? Many of our Bibles have subheadings for chapters and verses, and you probably have a lot of those as well. Uh, mine, one of mine actually says, uh, as a subtitle, Jesus eases, eases John's doubts. Following the question, Jesus tells the people to tell John all that Jesus is doing. He wants them to witness to the teaching and the healing and the ministry that is happening. I can only assume that they returned to John with the news of what they had seen and heard. I guess we could say that that this would give John the courage he needed to face his prison time. We too find ourselves in situations during our lifetimes where where we, we need assurance. Assurance that we are on the right path. Maybe we question whether... All we do is worth it. Does it make a difference? Does what we do really make a difference? I mean, I'm sure you've run into a time in your life when you wanted to just throw in the towel, just give up, feeling that it isn't worth it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you just weren't sure if this was all worth it, that it made sense? It doesn't seem like God is answering your prayers. The path that you're on is, is not going in the right direction. What I mean by the right direction is your direction. Illness and loss have entered your family. And things just aren't going right. And so you just want to give up and turn around. Maybe God's not listening anymore. Have you ever deconstructed your faith? Now, many have talked about this feeling that, that you are to believe, because that is what you're supposed to do. Just believe, because that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. This is what we've been taught for years. We've, we learn all the stories from the Bible and have been told to believe in them. No questions asked. Doubts aren't welcome in the church, Right? But if you remember, we had a series around questions that all of you had. Our Ask the Pastor series looked at some pretty interesting questions about the Christian faith, including deconstruction. Now, I want to remind you that doubts and questions when it comes to your faith are perfectly normal. It's part of growth and maturity. Could this passage... Be another reminder for us today about this. So, how do we get assured in our faith? Where do these answers come from? From John, or for John, they came from a witness. His disciples would have returned and given him the message that everything was true. Or was it? Hold on to that thought for just a moment. Because the other thought that came to mind was was around whether John sent his disciples for John's sake or if it was for the sake of the disciples. Maybe John knew full well of who Jesus was and what he was capable of. This could have been a way for him to further teach his disciples about the ways of Jesus or possibly to help them believe in this Messiah, to help them in their doubts. Maybe John was telling his people to go. See for yourself. Don't just take my word for it, but see it with your own eyes. Experience the life-changing power of this man. This certainly is a witness to his faith. Okay, so back to this thought about everything being true. Or was it? We've got to realize that John was like many of the Jews who were, experiencing, or who were expecting a Messiah to come and overthrow the Roman government. He believed that Jesus was coming to win battles and take, earthly, or take down earthly authorities. However, that's not exactly what happened, was it? John is sitting in prison. So when Jesus was coming, when was Jesus going to come and bust him out? After all, John had been preaching all his fire and brimstone. Repent, for the kingdom is here. Today is the day. Make your choice. You might not get another one. John and many of the others of that day were waiting for the Messiah to come and shake things up a bit. They were waiting for Him to to come and overthrow the Romans, to remove all the evil and wickedness of the world and destroy all but God's kingdom. When was that going to happen? God, maybe we're in that position today going, God, when is that going to happen? When will all the evil and wickedness go away? Hey, Jesus, when are you going to really get started with your ministry? Because right now, we don't see much from you, John is possibly thinking. Other than some healings and, and caring for some who are less fortunate. When, Jesus? When does the real ministry begin? I wonder if John was starting to question whether Jesus was the one. The one who was going to do all of this work. It certainly didn't seem like he was going to do what John wanted, what many of the Jews wanted. The question that was sent with John's disciple was this. Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to go on expecting another? Are you the one, Jesus? Or do we need to look further down the road? Is there another Messiah coming? The one that's really going to do the work? I think that question gets right to the point and, I, and really shows John's feelings of what has happened to him. I feel as though he's, he's needed, really needed affirmation. He wanted to know the truth about Jesus just in case he was mistaken about his abilities. And Jesus sends a word back to John. (laughs) He tells the people that John sent to relay this message. And the message was this. Go, tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. If anyone knew the Old Testament and the prophecies of Isaiah, they would know that Jesus just told John that he was fulfilling all of those prophecies. But it is all of the loving kind. It was all of the loving kind. No destruction, no condemnation, but love and grace. John should be happy, but I really wonder if he is. Jesus ends his, ends his message to John with these words, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. John might have hoped for a different Jesus, a different Messiah, but Jesus is telling him that, that this is the kingdom and this is how the kingdom is lived out. It is all through love and grace, not violence and force. Oh, how we have gotten that wrong for so many years. Do we also look for God to act in certain ways? Do we approach our prayer time wishing for God to respond to all of our needs just as we ask? Or do we look for ways to participate in God's kingdom right where we are? Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19 is where Jesus is beginning his ministry. And he stands up in the synagogue and reads a prophecy from Isaiah. This one happens to be Isaiah 61. And it says this The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Is this not what Jesus is doing? In that loving manner. But this is what he is telling John. This is what the kingdom looks like. Not the vision that many others had. This is what he wants John to witness too. What is your vision of the kingdom? Does it look like Christianity taking over every facet of life in the world by force? Does it look like condemning those who don't look or think like you do? Does it look like loving only those you want to love? Or is it something different? Remember that Jesus spoke these words, and we heard them in our Advent candle lighting. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. But he also didn't stop there. Because we have to remember that he continued. There's another verse, many of them after that. But that verse that comes right after that passage says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Not to condemn, but that the world might be saved through him. Love is how this works. God's love for you. God's love for me. Our love for each other is what the kingdom looks like. And this, and this love is not just for those who look and act and believe like us. It is for everyone. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That means everyone. Everyone even the ones you don't feel you can. You may not like the other person, but God calls you to love them, and there's a difference. I remember somebody once telling me uh, that they said, you know what, especially when you're talking about family, you might not have to like them, but you do have to love them, and there is a difference. And so I want to ask you a question as we close today. How can you love those around you today by witnessing what God has done for you? How can you today more love those other people around you by witnessing to them what God has done for you? How can you share that love? Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we heard your message. God, sometimes a challenging message for us. But it's one that is based in those two great commands to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And God, we realize that we need help. We need help in order to love our neighbors. We need your grace and your mercy to follow us and to guide us. And so, God, help us to truly be a witness. Help us to turn those Christmas lights on and to leave them on so that others may see, so that others may know of your great love. God, all of this we ask in your Son's precious name. Amen. I'm going to encourage you to stand as you are able and to sing a song about a witness. Angels from the realms of glory where they were witnessing to God's love to all of those around. Will you join in that closing hymn? So as we get ready to go forth from this place, we just sang the song about the shepherds and the angels and the sages and, and also closing that last verse, all the saints, that's all of you, witnessing to all of those around about who this Christ child is. And so may we truly go forth knowing uh, that we we are called to share a witness and to testify to what God has done for each and every one of us. And so go forth knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.